Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we get to talk to a four-time Olympian in the luge who has competed in an Olympic record four different decades, Mr. Ruben Gonzalez. You guys, Ruben was so much fun to talk to. First off, I didn't know this, Kevin, but the luge apparently does not have any breaks. I didn't know that either. And he's currently training for the next Olympics in 2026, which would be his fifth Olympic Games in five different decades. So what exactly does his wife think of this? Because he will be 60 years old at the next Winter Games in Italy. As you will hear with my fun facts, Ruben is kind of an adrenaline junkie. He has run with the Bulls over in Spain multiple times, and he shares his tips on how not to get trampled, which is actually quite hilarious to me. You guys, we can't wait for you to hear this amazing conversation with Ruben Gonzalez. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery. Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future, followed by miscarriage, and then Kevin's cancer diagnosis. However, today, we live a life completely healed and restored with three healthy children who doctors said were not possible. And we're here to tell stories that inspire, give hope, and brighten your day. Welcome to Tell Us a Good Story. This episode is being presented to you by Luby Companies, a custom home builder here in central Ohio. Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome. Steph. It's so fun. Uh, <laughs> he has to have so many fun stories, Kevin. We have been looking forward to meeting this next guest. So this, this is going to be great. This is so fun. Well, friends, our next guest is a best-selling author and one of the most popular professional speakers in the United States. He is a four-time Olympian in the luge and has a world record of competing in the Winter Games in four different four. decades. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Tell Us a Good Story, Mr. Ruben Gonzalez. Ruben Gonzalez! <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, thank you for saying this to us. We've been super excited to talk to you, Ruben. And any stories you have, right, please feel free to share. But the first thing, I would love for you to start off, Ruben, sharing the story of when you're 21 years old, right, you're watching the Olympics, you're in Houston, Texas, and you get inspired to actually become an Olympian someday. Can you share that story with Steph? Sure. Uh, I was born in Argentina. My dad was a chemical engineer with Exxon. We got transferred to the States when I was six. Uh, Queens, New York for a couple of years. Houston, most of my life. Could never get used to the heat. I live in Colorado now, and it's nice. (laughs) (laughs) So when I see the Olympics at 10 years old, I thought, that's my adventure. That's what I want to do. That's when I caught the dream. The problem is I'm an unlikely Olympian because I'm not a great athlete, okay? I was always the last kid picked for PE. I'm a slowpoke. A lot of heart, no body, just like Rudy. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to hook you up with, with Rudy, too, if you haven't had him before. Oh, my gosh. Steph. <laughs> Good guy. Ruben, really. you're becoming our favorite yeah. person. <laughs> you are. Two minutes into Two the minutes conversation. In, he's already our favorite, babe. Uh, wow. That was good. It was downhill from here, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways. So um, uh, I talked about it. I was fascinated so much, but I didn't do anything because I didn't believe it was possible. My dad got tired of me talking the talk, not walking the walk. And he said, you like to read, read some biographies, study the lives of great people. You'll figure out what works because success leaves clues. And I started reading them. And what I kept seeing was perseverance, right? All these people were just a bunch of hardheads. They refused to quit. And so at 12 years old, I made a decision from today on, Ruben doesn't quit anything. That's it, right? Mm-hmm. And because uh, you, you don't want to quit on your dream. 
but I still didn't believe it was possible. I'm on the I'm on the bench for kickball. Okay, I didn't know they had a bench at kickball. <laughs> so <laughs> but I'm 21. I'm a bench warmer in my college soccer team, Houston Baptist University, NCAA Division One. But the rule was Ruben gets to play only if we're winning by two goals because you're a threat to our own team. Coaches work. <laughs> what? Right? Are you yeah. serious? Yeah, and I did. I knew I wasn't too valuable on the field, but I liked the feeling of being on the team. So I did anything, marketing, mowing the lawn, whatever it's whatever it takes to not get cut. And now uh, I'm 21 years old, and uh, the Olympics roll around again. 1984, Sarajevo Winter Olympic Games, and I'm watching it on TV. And I see this little guy about five foot one. He must have weighed 110 pounds, soaking wet. And this kid wins the the gold medal in figure skating. Scott Hamilton. Yes. And so. When I saw Scott Hamilton, everything changed. I thought if that little guy can win, I can at least play. I'm going to be in the next one. Uh, I just got to find a sport. And so I went <laughs> to the library, got a big book about the Olympics. Five minutes into looking at the summer sports, I realized you got to be Superman to do any of these things. There's no way. I started looking at the list of the winter sports, and the analytical side of my brain kicked in. I thought, hey, I'm about to put together a plan for the next four years. I need to base the plan on my strengths. My strengths are not athleticism. I'm just okay athlete. My strengths perseverance. I'm bulldog, okay. right? That was my nickname in high school, bulldog, right? Because okay. the kids noticed I was tenacious. So I started looking for tough sports, right? I thought I need to find a sport that's got a lot of broken bones, to be a lot of quitters, and that way my bulldogness will stand out, right? Wait, <laughs> so you you actually sought that out? Like that's the kind oh, yeah, of sport yeah. I need? I didn't really? even know there was a word called reverse engineering, but that's what actually what I was doing, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I was just looking for something that fit me. And, and so I thought, and I had to down the ski jump, okay. bobsled, and luge. Now, I lived in Houston, Texas, hot, humid, flat, sticky. I'd never skied before. Forget ski jump. That's suicide. Right. And bobsled. Where are you going to find three other nuts in Houston? You got to go to <laughs> Jamaica to find those guys, right? And so bobsled. <laughs> <laughs> so that left the luge, right? And luge, I noticed you can do it one person. You know, putting together a team, that's too complicated. Yeah. So I had a little picture of a guy in a luge. I thought that's the one for me. And so I thought, okay, well, nobody in Houston's going to know where the luge track is. Sports Illustrated is their job to know, right? So I wrote them a letter. This is 84. They didn't have emails back then. And so I wrote them a really good letter. Where do you go learn how to luge, right? And they wrote back. They said, Lake Placid, New York. That's where the track is. So I call Lake Placid. Right, got a, a cold call to try to get in the Olympics. <laughs> and so I'm an athlete here in Houston. I want to learn how to lose. I've been in the Olympics for four years. Will you help me? <laughs> and the guy goes, How old are you? And I said, 21. And he starts laughing, right? Forget it. You're too old, man. We started them off. They're eight, nine, 10 years old. By now, you have 10 years' experience. There's no way. Really? Yeah. I thought they're going to welcome me here. This guy's laughing in my face. But I knew hanging up, that's not an option, right? That's the end of the dream. So I just kept talking, talking, talking. I'm telling this guy my life story. I can think of something. <laughs> and uh, and so after a while, he gets fed up. He goes, all right, we're having a camp in a few weeks. Be there. I said, great. But before you come, you need to know two things. Number one, you want to do it at your age. You want to do it in just four years. It's brutal. Nine out of ten people quit it. I started smiling. I thought this works right into my plan. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the second thing? He said, we're going to have to take 10 years of luge training because it really takes 10 years to get you to the top of the track. And we're going to have to compress it, cram it into just two years. Because the last two years, you you know, we're going to throw you to the World Cup circuit and you have to compete oh, against the world. Right. And, 
about a month before the Olympics, they tally up the last two seasons, top 50 get to go, 51 watches it on TV. And so we're going to have to cram that. You're going to get hurt a lot. You're going to break bones. And I said, great. Right. That really excited me. <laughs> I thought, I thought, and he gets real quiet for a long time. Finally comes back. goes, what's wrong with you, man? I just told you you're going to break some bones. That makes you happy. I told him, look, I'm not a quitter. Okay? Mm. I'm bulldog, right? And so he goes, all right, Hoss. You know, dumb Texan, right? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, Hoss. You know, come on down. Quick, hangs up to me. And I went. And it's a couple of months after I saw Scott Hamilton on TV, and I'm walking down Main Street, Lake Plaza, looking for the Olympic Training Center, right? And there it is, U.S. Olympic Training Center. So that afternoon, we're training. It's the springtime. And so imagine a loose track with no ice, right? It's just concrete. And so we're going to go from a half-mile point uh, on uh, wheeled sleds to learn the basics of driving. It was a two-wheel, two-two-week camp. 50, 55 miles an hour, going down the that shoot and all we're wearing is tennis shoes shorts and a t-shirt all right on concrete yeah on concrete right 50 miles an hour you crash <laughs> it's straight to the hospital right <laughs> they call it the weeding out process in the sport of oh <laughs> my gosh oh were you second guessing it all at this point no no you know but i'm glad you asked that because when you i hung up the phone the reality hit, right? I thought, whoa, this is going to be tougher than I thought. You know, he didn't say I might break some bones. He said, I will. Right? Will. How am I going to handle it? Right. How am I, what am I going to do when I break one? And then I thought, I've broken bones before. <laughs> you wear a cast for six weeks, take off the cast, it's healed up and stronger than before. So when you really <laughs> think of it, just a, you know, broken bones, a temporary inconvenience. And so I reframed it in my mind, right? So it's like a contingency plan, right? You always, you always hope for the best, pray for the best, but but you, you got to prepare for the worst, right? And so I was ready for the worst. And they put me in this class with about 15 other guys, and they're quitting left and right because they got a bruise. <laughs> so uh, they didn't think, maybe they didn't want it badly enough. Maybe they thought it was going to be easy. You know, hey, laying down, downhill. Was it a classroom and then you went to the luge? Are you guys like, how did that work? We went to the track a couple of times a, a day. First two years, I was well, at first I was crashing four out of five times, right? Because I had no clue. The problem is you make a mistake on curve six. Let's say you're a little late out of curve six, but you don't know because you have no frame of reference and, and they're pushing you up really fast. And, and so you make a mistake on curve six, but you don't know, so you don't correct it. You're a little later out of seven and you crash. You pancake out of the curve on, on curve eight, right? And so why did you crash on eight? I have no clue, but it's because I didn't fix it in six. And just learning that took forever, right? Figuring those little things out. And then uh, one day I crashed three out of five, right? That was like a great day. <laughs> 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 Thank you, God. And then by the end of the year, I'm crashing one out of a hundred, right? And now it's time to really start fine tuning, right? I, I remember I had my first clean run. A clean run means you didn't even brush any of the walls, right? And so um, it's a great milestone because you're means you're you're in control, right? Or you got some control. And so I go to coach, and and, uh, and this guy was three time world champion, so his standards are so high. I mean, it's like LeBron James teaching you how to do a, a layup, right? Okay. And so nothing's good enough for the guy. My best run is the most mediocre thing, and you know he's ever seen. And so I go to him, right? I was, hey, Gunter, did you see that? I had a clean run. Nothing. Says, coach, you, you, you didn't hear I, I had a clean run, right? That's good, right? He goes, yes, good. But Olympics, four runs. You must be consistently good, not just good one run. I goes, come on, coach. Let's go get a beer. <laughs> you give me four in a row, I buy you beer. I'm still trying to get my beer. So, 
All right, Steph, I'm going to test you again here. What is your favorite book of all time? Uh, obviously, it's the Bible, Kevin. <laughs> yes. Nailed it. Very good. This time, you didn't say the book we wrote called You Met Her Where. But it's still a really good book. That is true. And it would make a great gift for friends or relatives on their birthday or for Christmas. Friends, you can order your copy of our book titled You Met Her Where at KevinAndSteph.com. And we will make sure to personally sign a copy for you or whoever you want. And as always, thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. Ruben, I am shocked when you said your first run. I thought you were going to say, like, you're breaking the whole time. Like, break, break, too fast, too fast, too fast. You're breaking, just trying to get down the track. But do you break at all? No, there's no breaks. No, There are no breaks. breaks. Once you start, you're committed. You're going the whole way down, one way or the other. I thought there was a break at the end. So so bobsleds have breaks, okay? Uh-huh. The way the bobsled, and the, the brake man is the one in the back. And imagine a rake with a couple of handles, and at the end, the guy just picks up like this, and it drives that rake down there, slows it. Slows oh, it down. okay. That's because you got all this mass, right? I mean, a four-man bob sled is huge. Yeah, that's uh, easily a 1,000 or more pounds, you know, with all that speed. Luge, we're a 50-pound sled, and then the, the slider, right, the athlete. Uh, most tracks have 15, 16 curves, and then it makes a, a U-turn at the bottom, and that's going uphill. And that might be an, a long 200-yard long outrun, which is uphill, and it's not smoothed out for speed. It's all kind of rough. Sometimes they throw uh, hay or something to slow you okay. down. Okay. Even so, you sit up on the sled, and it's, you force yourself, right? This is, this is so scary at first. You're going 80 miles an hour, and you got to force yourself to sit up. And as soon as you do, boom, you get thrown back with this 80-mile-an-hour wind. You grip the front of the sled, you dig your heels in, and you slow down, slow down, slow down, stop. And it's 200 yards later, right? And you step off the sled and you want to quit. It's like, boom, I'll never do that again. I'm going back soft. <laughs> so your core strength has to be amazing oh, it has for to this. Be. Core, strong neck, because our mm-hmm. head, the, the sled ends here. The head's hanging off the end of the sled. In fact, uh, did you get yes. my book yet? Oh, yeah. I do. Okay. Yes, right I right here. See, my head's hanging off the end of the sled, right? And yeah. so you're pulling six Gs on some of those Gosh. curves. So that's, you know, that's like somebody stepping on your head, right? You got to be strong. Okay. So did you move to Lake Placid then to learn how to do this or just for the two weeks? Because it's not like in Houston, you have a luge club, right? That you can go to. I mean, no, no. where did you so train then? Season, you don't. You just do physical training, right? Okay. In fact, now that I'm training again, uh, coach said, uh, it's a different coach. It's an American coach now. First thing he said was, you know, you're sliding better than ever, but you've been sitting down writing all these books for the last 20 years. You, you're all stiff, right? You need to do some yoga and open up those hips. And and we need one more mile per hour. We can get one more mile per hour before curve one. Man, you got a shot. And that's all I need to hear. Uh, and I told him, don't give me a number. because That'll just mess me up, right? Think about it. Let's say he said it's a 60% chance you're going to make it. Most people won't try anything unless, uh, unless it's at least 50%. Right. But hey, I'll, I'll go for it if it's 10%, right? Why not? You got nothing to lose if you don't do anything. The percentage is zero, right? Right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. how yes. much you commit. So I got a brand new sled. I'm sliding really well. My goal is uh, to do one more. If I do one more, then it'll be five Olympics in five decades. I'll be the oldest winter Olympian in history, breaking a hundred year old record. And maybe I can get a movie like Devin, man. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like when you got your first Olympics? It's awesome. Calgary, 1988. Well, Calgarians are real fun. They're a lot like uh, people from Houston. It's all about, they're, they're all cowboys and oil, right? 
they've been trying to get the Olympics for 20 years and they kept getting passed over. And when they finally got it, it was awesome. They were so, it was great. So the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, the IOC, International yes. Olympic Committee, they say, okay, Summer Olympics, 10,000 athletes max, Winter Olympics, 2,900 athletes max. Okay. And then they turn around, they go to each sport and they tell them, okay, lose, you get 110. Skiing, you get so many. And, and then Luge decides, you know, how we're going to break that up. Men's, women's, doubles. There's a team race. They just added women's Luge. And so they keep adding sports, right, because it's turning into the X Games. And so that means less slots for each sport. Mm -hmm. Right. So it keeps getting harder. My first three Olympics, it was top 50 got to go. I was okay. always about 45, so that was doable. Vancouver was top 40, okay? I'd never been top 40 in the world. But and then this next one is probably gonna be top 35. It could even be if it's top 30, it's it's gonna be tough. But okay. anyways, so get it keeps getting smaller. And so at the end of qualification, I was number 42. I didn't qualify for the Vancouver Olympics, but you never know, right? You just keep preparing in case there's an opportunity. Because there's opportunity, but you didn't prepare, there's no opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. And so all of January, uh, I, I just kept training in the second fastest track in the world just to be ready in case, you know, I'll figure, okay, uh, I'm number 42. I need one person to break their leg. I need another person to get to the side. So I'm, I'm in, right? <laughs> <laughs> so three weeks before the Olympics, I'm still not in. I'm speaking for all these salespeople. And they had this big sign that said, believe in a team. And they weren't getting happy Ruben like you guys are, right? They were getting Rubens on the edge, ready to kill somebody to go to the Olympics. And he, they had believe in achieve. I said, that's a bunch of bubble. <laughs> I said, look, don't don't tell me what you believe. What you do shows me what you believe. Okay. Mm. You know what I believe? I believe that I'll be in the Olympics in a couple of weeks. All right. You know what I did up in my hotel room before I came to talk to you guys? I bought four non-refundable tickets, non-refundable on, on purpose, okay, for my, my wife, my kids, and me for Vancouver. Because if you believe something's going to happen, you jump and the net will appear, right? You mm. commit. And I got a little golf clap, you know, they didn't buy it. And that's fine. I don't care. I already had my check. I don't care about the golf clap. And so <laughs> I go back to the top to my room. I open up the laptop and it says, you made it. Norway had three guys that qualified. But they are not sending them because Norway only goes to win. Norway's 5 million people. But they won more Winter Olympic medals than any other country. They go to win. If you're from Norway, they won't send you unless you're top 20. These guys were not top 20. They're top 40. They didn't go. And wow. so that bumped me to 39. At the opening ceremonies, man, I want to carry a Norwegian flag. They helped me warn anybody. <laughs> right? and so I got a Norwegian flag there. I got one up there. I got one by my Nespresso machine, you know, just so I don't ever get a fat head because I'm a four-time Olympian thanks to my Norwegian friends. <laughs> did did you send him a thank you card or anything, Ruben? I mean, yeah, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Okay, so Ruben, you're training for the next Olympics, which is very admirable. However, does your wife, does your kids, your family ever come to you and be like, hey, how about you take the next four years to learn how to curl, right? <laughs> <laughs> or do some other type of, you know, get really good at some other sport to still be in the Olympics. My wife, she's never happy when I'm going to do an Olympics, but uh, pays the bills, so it's okay. Uh, <laughs> my kids, I think it's a good thing for them seeing their pop work his tail off and showing them, you know, firsthand what it really takes to make a big dream happen. And so we've homeschooled both of our kids from day one. Uh, Gabriella, she's about to get married. Uh, she 
graduated from Moody Bible Institute last year. She's marrying another Moody grad. And our son, Grayson, he's uh, uh, gunning to get into the Air Force Academy. And so it's not about the education, it's about the values. Oh, that's good. And so they're very resilient and no whining, no excuses. That's pretty much but no excuses, no whining, no quitting. That's pretty much the rules. You don't do those things, daddy's happy. <laughs> oh. So I have a question. I know you want to talk about this book, but I have a question because we are talking about your first Olympics. In the shortcut, there's a part where RG and Johnny are talking about a huge price you have to pay to be in the Olympics. So what is the huge price you paid to be in the Olympics? Wow, I'm, I'm, I'm honored. You actually read it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Wow. But no matter what your dream, okay, you're going to have to pay a big price, okay, a huge price. No matter what your dream, that's just the price of success. Price of regret, though, is 100 times worse. So you might as well dedicate your life to the pursuit of your dream. And look, in my case, it was broken bones. First two years, a lot of injuries, right? Because I didn't listen to coach. I, I did everything the hard way. Broke my foot twice, my knee, my elbow, my hand, my thumb, a couple of ribs. You know, and I just kept coming back, you know, and sponsors. <laughs> People say sometimes, you know, who's your sponsor, Ruben? Coke, Pepsi, Nike? <laughs> Mine were Visa and MasterCard, right? At the end of the Salt Lake City Olympics, my third one, I was $50,000 in credit card debt. Really? And when I was in school, I wouldn't go on dates. And I'd save and I'd mow lawns, whatever it takes for as long as it takes. And when the first cold front hit Houston around Halloween, that's when the season starts. And I start training and I'd go all over the world and train. When I ran out of money, that's the end of my season. I had a bunch of half seasons, but you do what you can. See, it's not about the dream. The dream's the little carrot that God uses to get to get us to do things that we wouldn't do otherwise. And it's about the person you become. And that guy, that girl, everyone that goes, puts himself through that, they have to dig so deep inside that they start finding some of their God-given gifts they didn't know they had. And now they got them for the rest of their lives. So either way, you win. Either way, you win. You had no regrets. No regrets. All right, Ruben. For all of our guests, I like to give a list of fun facts. So listeners know what our guests have done what they've accomplished. And Steph's not aware of any of these. Okay. So oh. you're going to see her genuine reaction, Ruben, to these fun facts. Did we do these already? We or have this... not. Okay. We have not. I don't remember. I'm so ADD. I don't know what I had for lunch <laughs> yesterday. So. <laughs> All right. So keep me honest on these. All right, Steph, you ready? Mm-hmm. So Ruben, of course, is a four-time winter Olympian. As he mentioned, he lives in Colorado, but he can't ice skate or ski. <laughs> So how was that even possible? Like, can, can you snowboard? Do you snowboard at all? I, I learned how to snowboard. Uh, I bought this snowboard because it had the Salt Lake City logo on it and the rings. I had bought it on eBay. Okay. And that's like a weakness. I buy stuff at eBay. That's <laughs> okay. Anyways, I bought that just because it looked cool. And then my kids, they said, come on, Dad, let's go. And so they dragged me out there. And I learned how to snowboard when I was 50. But skis, you know, two skis and two poles, that's just too many things for my brain to focus on. You know, it's too much. All right, Steph. Ruben loves to live a life of adventure. He has climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. So uh-huh. it's the highest mountain in Africa, 19,340 feet. And he has <laughs> he has run with the bulls in Spain. <gasps> oh, let's talk about that one. So, <laughs> yes. Tell us about that. Did any bull even get close to you, Ruben? Oh, yeah. And they all pass you. I mean, they oh, uh, really? you, you Usain Bolt, but they will pass you. 
So before I do anything, I look for the coach or mentor. I won't do anything without looking for that coach, right? Okay. So Pablo, you know, Pablo from my book and I, we'd always talked about, you know, we're going to go run with the Bulls one day. And um, after the, the Vancouver Olympics 2010, we decided to go. And before I went, I read three books about Pamplona, right? Pamplona, Spain, uh-huh. that's where they do it. Uh, one of the authors, I actually call him up because he'd been running it for 20 years. I says, hey, look, I want the Pamplona experience, but I don't want any extra holes in my body. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's basically it's like an L, okay? Uh, just picture an L. It's okay. about a quarter mile run. They open up the door of the corral and there's 3,000 people, you know, nuts out there and, and they're all drunk, okay? The, and the, so the first thing he said was, don't drink and watch out for the drunks because they're more, they're worse than the bulls. You know, I what bet. They, yeah, yeah, getting in your way and, and, and yes, oh, I they bet. might grab you, use you as a shield, and <gasps> and and you get the horn, and then they don't remember because it was all adrenaline. Right? Uh-huh. And so he said, "Okay, anybody, you feel anybody touching you, you just make you know snap the really elbow, out, elbow, right? the elbow. You can apologize later, but you don't want anybody <laughs> touching you. Do that. Said, okay, great. Write it down. Don't go in the beginning because the beginning is too it's too narrow. The bulls are too fresh. You'll die. Okay, great. Don't go <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing all this stuff down. Right? Don't go at the end. Uh, the end, right before you go into the bull ring. Uh, you know, it's really narrow there too, and uh, you're gonna. Okay, fine. Don't go. Don't go in the middle because there's this curve. Right, everybody hits this curve. That's the well, So where do you go? He goes. You go about 50 yards past the curve. Okay, it's a, it's a right hand curve, and so you go 50 yards past the curve on the right because the impulse, the momentum is going to drive them to the left. Oh, right? okay. Most of the time, they'll come by you know, 10 feet from you and you get the, the, the Pamplona, you know, experience without any holes, but there's no guarantee because <laughs> the uh, bulls, they are a herding animal. They feel safe when they're in a herd. And if one of them gets separated. Now he becomes territorial. He's like a tiger after everybody. And so that guy is, you know, he's trouble. Right. And so, uh, he also said, everybody wears uh, white, you know, uh, they're all dressed in white. They have a red bandana and a red yes. sash, right? Okay. And he says, don't double knot the sash. I says, why? Because if you catch a horn, you know, in your sash, you're going to be hitting your head on the cobblestones the whole way down. It's the worst way to see Spain. <laughs> so <it's laughs> <laughs> Little simple things you never would have thought of. He said, if you fall down, stay down. They think you're a boulder, they'll hop over you. But if you stand up, pow, they're going to get you. And so all these little things that I never would have thought of, but doing that due diligence probably saved my life. And so did it two times. And then we went again another year with another friend and it didn't feel right. I thought, Mm-mm. and I've learned the older I am, the more I trust my gut feeling, you know, women, intuition, guys, mm-hmm. gut feeling. I thought, Mm-mm. I'll be a spectator this time. Doesn't feel right. Really? So how far did you run then? You said you're 50 yards away from the curb. <laughs> how funny. long are you running? Well, like it's 10 so seconds? Funny. I couldn't tell you because I was, it was so scary. But you're so you're starting to jog, right? Everybody's kind of jogging, and, and, and I'm kind of looking behind me right here, right, so I can see. And then all of a sudden, everybody's running faster, and their eyes are bigger, and their mouths are bigger. And they said, "Count the bulls." So you know, there's no way I could count them. I was so scared, I couldn't even count the three. And and, and they're passing. It's like, oh my gosh! And you go to all the bars and the cafes and. You know, it's like locker room, right? Afterwards, me, I, 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 I didn't run with the bulls. I ran from the bulls. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's enough for me. There is no way. No way. Mm-hmm. I, I would be able, like, if I tripped and fell, there is no way I could just lay there, lay there, and well, just trust these bulls are going to hop over me. It happens no so way. fast, and there's so much adrenaline. It's nuts.
If you like what you hear, please tell someone about us. As soon as this episode is over, go tell your spouse, your closest friend, a parent, a coworker, or share one of our posts on social media. However, if you don't like what you're hearing, please do not. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anybody. Just disregard this message. Don't worry about it. Forget about us. Yep. Go on with your merry day. And to get more information about us or our entire catalog of episodes, be sure to check us out at kevinandsteph.com. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. I'm going to keep going here. Because of Ruben's inspiring story, he was selected to carry the Olympic torch during the 2002 Salt Lake City torch run. So how does that work, Ruben? Are you nervous that you're going to trip and fall, that the flame's going to go out, that someone's going to extinguish it? Like, how long do you run? How does that work? All right. Uh, They light it in Mount Olympia, right? In Greece. Yes. Yes. And they bring, they have it in two special um, lanterns, right? So if one of them goes off, goes out, then you got the backup to light it up again, ah. right? So okay. They light it there. They flew it to Atlanta because that's the last place it had an Olympics in the United States, right? Atlanta yes. 1996. And this is for the 2002 Salt Lake City Olympics. And about 10,500 people are going to carry the torch all over every state. And that's mainly to get people pumped up about the Olympics and only 200 athletes, though, okay? Because mm-hmm. uh, they want to open it up for, for people, you know, all types of work, right? Yes. So everybody can get involved. And so I get a call uh, about three months before, and they said, um, you've been selected to carry the Olympic torch. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, I've never even been close to a medal. Why? Why did you pick me? Oh, we love your story. And uh, our motto this Olympics is light the fire within. It's about inspiring people. And so... Um, and so, do you have a minute? I'll go grab it. I'll show it to you. Yes, please do. Okay, because you can yeah. cut this part out, right? Yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I love this. If something catches my eye, kitty cat, and I'm not back for 20 minutes, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just goes to the bathroom. <laughs> he comes back. He has dinner. We're still sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Oh. That's big. So, so it's an icicle. See, it's, an, it's a big, giant icicle. Uh-huh. Okay. This this part represents the ancient Olympics, and this shiny part is the modern Olympics. And we're supposed to hold it right there for okay. you know, bridging the the spirit of all the athletes. So you know, blah blah blah. And so, uh, and it's how uh, heavy uh, is that? Three pounds. Three pounds. Okay. Some are about three pounds. I've got four of them. I got the the Torino ones about six pounds. That's too heavy. But see, it says Salt Lake 2002. Oh, that's very so cool. cool. Yeah, and then here, I don't know if you'll be able to see, but... Oh, like, yes, it's engraved. In, right? Oh, that's oh. amazing. Oh, and you're supposed to hold it with your right hand. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's a whole deal. And so uh, so I go across the street, my neighbor, Tom, and this guy's like a cheerleader. He's so enthusiastic, you know, and uh, sometimes I'd be mowing my lawn, and he had this big, giant van, right? And uh, and he would pull up uh, in front, he opens up the window, he starts yelling, I'm going to see you on TV. You know why? Because you will be a three-time Olympian. <laughs> it peels off or smoke all over the place. I mow that lawn. I finished my lawn like in two minutes. And sometimes I got so excited, I wouldn't mow his lawn too, right? Maybe that's why I did it. I don't know. But he knew I was broke. And as soon as I got selected, I went across the street to tell him. And he points to his van. And he goes, road trip. I'm taking you. And he drove me 12 hours each way. What? When he let me drive. He said, I don't want your arm to get tired. <laughs> really? Yeah. And so I ran with it in Kansas City. And so they put us on a couple of little vans, and they had all the torches there, and they got a torch for each person. So they drop you off. 
And there's people on both sides of the street. They've been waiting all day, right? It's like, USA, USA. And they got cameras. I mean, the paparazzi, right? And I'm making faces. Yeah, man, man. <laughs> and so we're having our little moment and then and it was nighttime and then it, you could see it way out there you could see the flames getting closer and closer and closer and they light it up oh and so another thing that happened is this guy comes on a motorcycle and he's got a propane tank on it right and so he hooks up my torch and he fills up it's got a little tiny tank he fills it with propane now it's ready to go okay and comes, right, he finally gets your little high five light it up and quarter mile you get a quarter mile I could have done it in a minute flat, okay, because I was so excited. But, man, I ran like a little old man. I wanted to make it last. It took me about 10 minutes. My arms are getting tired, right? And I thought, heck with it. I changed arms. I put it on my left hand. I said, man, I don't want the, the, the newspapers tomorrow, the headline to say, Olympics canceled. Ruben dropped the torch. <laughs> so we light the we light the next person's torch, a little high five. And then the, the guy on the motorcycle takes the, the, the residual gas out of yours, right? Okay. And... And so then at the end, they offered us, you know, hey, you can have it for, you want your torch, 325 bucks. And I would have put a second mortgage on the house and explain later. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, of course, man, I bought it. And then the next week, they were on eBay for a thousand. I mean, were they really? Yeah. Uh, I, I would have bought it. I would have bought it too. Yeah. Just oh, with, it, with being yeah. an, just the honor of doing that, being selected, like you said, 200 athletes. Mm-hmm. All right, Steph. Ruben is considered one of the top motivational and inspirational speakers in America, which I can totally see here. I can totally see that. Since 2002, he has spoken to over 100 of the Fortune 500 companies, and Ruben has actually had the chance to share the stage with Zig Ziglar over 25 times. Wow. Now, Ruben, last year we interviewed Tom Ziglar, okay, who's the proud son of Zig. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And he's the president, CEO of Zingler Inc. Okay. So he had some great stories about his dad and how he was just an absolute rock star in the speaking world and as an author. Do you have any good stories from sharing the stage with Zig Ziglar? Because you would have been speaking to arenas with yeah. thousands of people. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, I don't know if the Get Motivated Seminar ever, ever came by your town, but they would come, they'd fill an arena. And if it was, you know, if it was a big city, it might have been. 15, 20,000 people. And it was a day long thing. And it was Rudy Giuliani and Colin Powell and Zig. And so let me backtrack. You're not going to believe me, but I'm an introvert. Okay. Uh, you <laughs> I you do not me, believe that. I don't believe that either. No. You get me talking about the Olympics for personal development. And it's like Clark Kent turns into Superman. But I am, I won't go to networking meetings because I'm the guy hiding behind the plant. I will not yeah. introduce myself to you. That's just me. And so, anyways, I didn't ever think I'd do this business. I was a copier salesman in Houston, and about a month before the Salt Lake City Olympics, this little kid in my neighborhood, a little fifth grader, he goes, hey, Ruben, when you come back from the Olympics, will you be my show and tell project in school? I said, sure. Really? And I thought, you know, okay. So I, uh, I came back, and I thought, show and tell, right? Uh, well, it's probably 20 kids in a classroom. Everybody has to talk about their thing. So I five minutes, but I'm going to win. No prisoners. I am competitive. I don't care if they're little kids. I win, right? <laughs> I took the sled, the torch, the only you know, the, the helmet. No what? prisoners. I'm so excited. And the principal, he takes me to this big room. There's 200 kids sitting there. They turn into an assembly. But they didn't tell me. They says, you got 45 minutes. Have at it. And I never took a speech class in my life. I almost ran out the door. Um, I all the courage to succeed, but I didn't have any courage in front of those kids. And I said a little prayer. God, what do I do now? And what I felt I needed to do was just tell them your story, give them some pointers how I can reach their goals and dreams. And I did. 
And I didn't die or anything, which was awesome. And then uh, <laughs> the, the teacher surrounded me and says, what do we have to do to get the fourth graders to come? You know, we'll pull the fourth graders out of class uh, if you'll hang out another hour. Yeah, bring them on. That was actually kind of fun. Aww. Afterwards, on the way to the car, the principal is going nuts. You've got a gift. You're better people we pay. You need to do this for a living. I said, well, you get paid for show and tell? He says, no, it's a speaking <laughs> profession, man. That was but he was so in my face, and I always want to have my own business. So I thought, you know what? That was a whole lot more fun than trying to sell a copier. And maybe I'm, you know, impact some lives. I quit my job three days later. I figured if I can sell a copier, I can sell a Reuben too. And we had a one-year-old daughter at, at the time. So I don't recommend it, but <laughs> it did work. And so that summer, the Get Motivated seminar came to Houston and they were playing in the summit. And that's where Joel Osteen's got his church. Yes. Now, yeah. Yes. The, the Rockets used to play. Yes. And so that's where it was. And I'd seen Zig before. Uh, and so I didn't go to see him. I was looking for the guy that puts that show together. And I found him, right? And I cornered him. And I told him, look, I got a great Olympic story. You know, it gives people hope. You need to bring me in. You know, and I had talked to his personal uh, assistant, right, Hannah. And, and she liked me, right? And so I, I followed up with Hannah once a month for 18 months. I kept following up. And then they started booking me. And I started, they had two circuits. They had the big cities with like giant stadiums, right? I mean, and then they had the small cities, the Roanoke, Birmingham, Alabama, places like that. And those were arenas of three to 5,000 people, but it was still Zig. And so I was doing the small ones and I did about 25 gigs with him. Wow. Zig, he's got a table. There's a line a mile long of people want to get their book signed, right? And Zig is in his, back then, he was almost 80. And he's signing them. He's got a big heart. And he's real, okay? A lot of speakers, you know, it's uh, it's all about the applause and a bunch of divas, okay? Yeah. Zig's a real guy, you know? That's why I think that's why people love him. All right, Steph, final fun fact. Ruben's books have sold over 300,000 copies mm. and have been translated into 10 languages. He has written five best-selling books, including his most recent book titled The Shortcut, The Fastest Way to Achieve Your Goals. So, Ruben... Can you tell listeners more about this wonderful book that you have here? Yeah. That kid asked me to do his show and tell, and I go to the school, and I quit my job. So February, I'm at the Olympics. March, April, May, I'm living the dream, right? I'm speaking at schools all over Houston. But I forget that the summer's going to be dead, right? <laughs> I forgot. I didn't even think about calling corporations or associations. And by August, you know, three months with no, no income, we're on food stamps, okay? Top of the world in February, food stamps in August. And that's what it took for this hard hit to realize, oh my gosh, I tell everybody to find a coach or a mentor, I'm not even taking my own advice. You know, I can tell some stories, but I don't know how to build this business. And so I started meeting speakers in Houston, and one of them agreed to be my mentor. And the first time we meet, he says, I don't care if you're a 10-time Olympian unless you write a book, no one's going to take you seriously because the author is considered the authority of the subject. He wrote the book on it, he's going on and on. I said, I can't write a book. And he goes, you got a great story. You write it down like it's a letter to your best friend, okay? They were just going to give it to some A students. They clean it up for you. That's just grammar. I thought, oh, my gosh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, it's called editing, all right? So shut up and sit down. <laughs> That's how I learned the business. Well, that book opened up doors. It's been translated to 10, 10 languages. And, I've, you know, it's opened up doors everywhere. So thank God I listened to them, right? And so everybody's got a book in them, okay? And you guys definitely do because you take all your top – 50 episodes and you got 50 chapters right there man really yes good. so the shortcut i did my first my only ted talk last year okay after being a professional speaker for 22 years i had a friend of mine that was going to start a ted talk here in uh, colorado springs where i live 
Well, I did it, and in less than a year, it had a million views. And I started getting all these emails, and people, you know, I thought, wow, this must be, maybe this is a, an idea that's timely, right? Maybe it's book-worthy. And so I decided to write a book, and this one, instead of being nonfiction, how-to book like all the other ones, this is a parable. It's a story, right? It's just a fun story that teaches mm-hmm. you how to reach your goals faster. And that's probably going to be my last TED Talk because you have to memorize it, you know? Oh, you. that's right. I don't memorize anything. I speak with heart. And uh, Zig used to say after my talks, he said, Ruben, you're, you're like the cross-eyed discus thrower. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you don't break very many records, but when you keep a crowd on the edge of their seats. <laughs> <laughs> How about I guess so? It's no PowerPoint, obviously. No way. And so uh, this book's doing great, and and people love it. And I don't see that this one's going to – well, it's already been translated to a couple of languages, and it's not even a year old. So. That's fantastic. Well, listeners, for more information about Ruben, you can go to his website at thelugeman.com. Also, the website to get his book is theshortcutbook.com. And we'll put links in our show notes so you can click on it and go right to these two websites. Well, Ruben, I knew this was going to be a lot of fun, but you somehow exceeded my expectations in this conversation. This was so much fun, Ruben. Thank you so much for saying yes to us, Ruben. Oh, well, back at you. I'm I'm so glad Devin uh, hooked us up. And now we got, I got some more friends, you know, and hopefully I get to see you guys when I speak in, in, in Ohio. Yes, absolutely. We would love that. Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or one of the other platforms. You guys, it's completely free. And while you're there, feel free to give us a rating or a nice review. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story.